Hallelujah, church. Come on, somebody praise him right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful to know who Jesus is. You know, our God is so good. Our God is so great. But the enemy sometimes tries to speak to us and try to tell us that our God is a mean God, that our God is a God that doesn't forget, that our God isn't a merciful God. But my word says that his mercy endures forever. Sometimes you'll take a look at the book of Jonah and you'll see Jonah, he decided to turn his back on God. He decided, you know what, God? I know you spoke to me, but I'm not listening. And something that's powerful about the book of Jonah, a lot of people will look at it in a way that says, wow, God is so mean. Can you believe that God caused a storm to happen? That God caused it so Jonah was in the belly of a fish? But I'm telling somebody right now, our God is so merciful. You see, when that, when that storm came and Jonah was in that ship, and the people were with him. They are the ones that decided to throw him overboard. I'm telling somebody, God didn't decide to throw Jonah overboard. God didn't say, I'm done with you. God didn't say, you know what, Jonah? You're nothing. I'll just use somebody else. But God prepared a fish. If God would have never prepared that fish, Jonah would be dead. Jonah would not be able to survive. But the thing that the enemy is trying to say, oh, look what God did. God is using it to move you, to mold you, to shape you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm so thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning, amen. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can make it back to your seat if you promise uh, to preach with the preacher this morning, amen. Woo. I'm so thankful to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Anybody thankful to know who Jesus is? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God. I was supposed to preach Sunday night. <laughs> and uh, God had a different plan, I guess. So, for anybody, any guests and visitors in the house this morning, please, if you don't like the preaching this morning, please come back. We have a great, amazing man of God that's anointed. Amen. Hallelujah. But he trusted me to deliver this word this morning. And I'm so thankful for our bishop. I'm so thankful for our first family, our first lady, uh, Isaac and Judah. I'm so thankful for them. They are leaders. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for my beautiful wife and my kids, Theodore and Eleanor. They're so amazing. And you know what? They have changed my life completely. I'm just so thankful that God has blessed me to have such a beautiful family. Amen. Anybody thankful for their family? Anybody thankful for their man of God? Anybody thankful to be living right now? To be in your right mind? Hallelujah. 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 I promise not to be before you guys too long this morning. Or at least that's the plan. But if you guys have your Bibles, you guys can stand right now. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 24, beginning at verse 37. Hallelujah. When you have it, say amen. Amen. One more page. All right. And it says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 43. 
But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in that watch the thief would come, and what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Verse 44 says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and had said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young. Somebody say, With our young. And with our old, someone say with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our, her with our herds, what will we go? For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go. And your little ones, look to it, for evil is before you. Not so, go now ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that ye desire and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. I'm going to read this again in the NIV version. I typically don't like the NIV version, but it gives us a clear understanding exactly what was read in those verses. So we're going to start again in verse 8 as you guys read in the King James. But it says, Then Moses and Aaron went, were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship the Lord your God, he said, but tell me, who will be going? Moses answered, we will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and our daughters, and with our flocks and herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh said, the Lord be with you. If I let you go, along with your woman and children, clearly you are bent on evil. No, have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you have been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. Now, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I would like to preach this morning. Let's get ready and go home. Let's all just uh, put our Bibles down and let's lift our hands to our God right now. Just talk to him. Jesus, you are the Alpha and Omega God. You're the beginning and the ending, Lord. Lord, without you, I can't do anything, God. But with you, I can do all things, God. Lord, I pray right now, God, that you will speak to your people this morning, God. Lord, that you will use me, God, to deliver your word as you have given to me, God. Lord, that I'll be able to give it to the people clearly, God. And they may understand what time we are in right now, God. Jesus, I'm asking for you, Lord, to help prepare the hearts of your people that are out there, God. That are hearing your word, God. Lord, let this word fall on the good soils of our heart, God. Let the word fall on the good soils, God. We don't want the enemy to take this word from us, God. We don't want the cares of this life to choke this word, God. But Jesus, we want to take this word, God, and let it be fruitful in our life, God. Jesus, let us take these words understanding it's from your book, God. It's this you that spoke it, God. And Lord, let us believe that you are here with us right now. Somebody clap your hands onto our Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I believe that Egypt and Noah are important to view side by side. 
I place these two texts together for a reason. Although some people may think these texts have nothing to do with each other, I believe there's a lot that these texts have and what they mean whenever you place them together. Egypt is the coming out of the world or the end time of your flesh. While Noah is the end time, the end of the world for everyone, a.k.a. when Jesus comes back. In order for us to, su to successfully make it to heaven and be with Jesus, we need to have a fresh exodus outlook to the end of the world. Amen? We need to leave this world behind us because this world is not our home. In the beginning, hallelujah, amen. In the beginning, after Adam and Eve fell and Cain killed his brother, Abel, the Bible breaks down the genealogy of Cain. I always wondered why would the Bible mention the genealogy of Cain? Cain is really not that important at all. We don't even see the rest of his genealogy outside the book of Genesis. So what is the importance of this? We understand and we believe that every detail that's presented to us in the Bible, in the word of God, it means a lot. It's not placed there by mistake or by happenstance. Amen? Amen, somebody? Because of this understanding that every word in the Bible is important and everything that's presented is important, we have some people sometimes will take portions of the Bible and they'll expound upon it and blow it way out of proportion. <laughs> I will do my best this morning to not do this. <laughs> we understand that Cain's bloodline, or one could assume, is that of the flesh. If we didn't understand this, we can look at Seth's bloodline and understand that it links to our Messiah. So the bloodline of the righteous. Adam and Eve had Seth. And in Genesis 4.26, it says, And to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. If you were to study this phrase out, to call upon the name of the Lord, it literally means to have the name of God evoked over you, generally in baptism. So since then, since Enos then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Then began men to have covenant with God. Then began men to not be of the world, but decide that they're going to live for God. I'm explaining this because Noah is mentioned in Genesis 6. And in Genesis 6, in Noah's time, we see that the sons of God... And the daughters of men come together. Genesis 6 and verse 1 says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of which they chose. The daughters of men and the sons of God came together. And instantly, it says in verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. The only thing that was in the mind of men were evil thoughts. I believe when it says the daughters of men, this is talking about Cain's bloodline, the people of the world. 
And when it says the sons of God, it's talking about Enos' bloodline. The men of God, those that called upon the name of the Lord. And at one point, things got messed up. Amen. At one point, things got messed up. At one point, the people of God decided that they were going to intertwine themselves with the children of this world. And then instantly, everything went bad. Now, if you listen to somebody else, they'll give you all these other ideas and explanations. And I don't believe in that at all. But what I do believe, that there was a mixing that shouldn't have happened. In verse 9, it says, these are the generations of Noah. This is how bad the mixing happened, okay? We're talking about Noah the righteous. It says, Noah was a just man and perfect, wait for it, he was perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. It didn't say that he was perfect, period. He was perfect in his generation. It was so bad out there that the only one that found grace in God's sight was Noah. But Noah still had problems. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but the Bible says that he was perfect in his generation for a reason. But we're going to move on from there. In verse 11 it says that the earth was also corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. This word corrupt is the word Shakath, which means to go to ruin or to decay or to, or to pervert. The earth was perverted before God and the earth was filled with violence. That word violence is the word kalmal, which means wrong or cruelty or injustice. The world was full of injustices. During the times of Noah, remember the Bible says in Matthew, that the end times will be just like the times of Noah. And as I'm reading these things, it's kind of getting familiar unto the days that we are in today. Amen, church? The times of Noah, they had the children of God perverting themselves with the children of the world. They had the people of God who were supposed to be separated mixing with the children of the world. I'm telling somebody right now, we're living in a day and age where everybody calls himself a Christian, but we can't tell if they're, the, if they're the child of God or the child of Satan. And that ought not to be so, church. We ought to be able to stand to be a difference from the world. The world ought to look at us and say, hey, there's something different about you. Hallelujah. But today, unfortunately, we have men of God that are leaving their wives and children to satisfy their flesh, breaking bonds of marriage for a night of fornication. We have men of God growing up in this truth and deciding to backslide because of the lust of the eye and the lust of their flesh. The mixing of God's people and the people of the world ought not to be. Can I get an amen in this church? The mixing of God's people and the world seems to be the catalyst that caused much of the wickedness in the earth in the days of Noah. The church has been fornicating with the world for quite some time now. Now, I don't mean the apostolic church per se, 
Although there are a lot of apostolic churches falling to the standards of the world, trying to mix in with the world. But when I talk about church, I'm going to use that word loosely this morning. The church, you know, just any building that has people that come every Sunday and for Easter and for Christmas. Amen. But those that claim to be Christians, those that claim to be the people of God and are not, and they give a bad taste to the world about Christianity. We have churches today that outside of their church they have LGBTQ plus flags. But our Bible teaches us that in the beginning marriage was between a man and a female. The word of God does not change for our convenience. You, you ought to be ashamed to call yourself a church if you have one of those flags outside of your church building. And I'm not ashamed to say it. If you're gay, if you're bi, I love you. I want you to repent. I want you to come to know who Jesus is. But I don't want you to get it twisted and think you can live your life of sin and still come to church. You may be seated. Churches who won't put up an American flag in front of their church because, you know, it causes division, apparently. A flag that resembles freedom, a sign for liberty, but instead will raise a Black Lives Matter flag up in front of their building. Come on, somebody. I wish I had someone preaching me right now. Now, listen up. I have nothing against the basic understanding of Black Lives Matter. And I mean the basic understanding. Because Black Lives Matter. Amen? I understand when they're saying that Black Lives Matter, that they're not saying that white lives don't matter. I understand they're not saying that Spanish lives don't matter. I understand that they're trying to convey a message saying, you know what, there's things going on in my community, and you know what, Black Lives Matter. Just as when there may be a walk for breast cancer awareness. I'm not going to walk around and say, you know what? All cancer matters. They're specifically talking about something that they need to bring awareness to. But when you dig deep into the Black Lives Matter organization, I don't stand with them. Because the Black Lives Matter organization do not care about black lives. I said again, I said the Black Lives Matter organization do not care about black lives. So they want to defund the police. First lady, I'm not trying to be political this morning, but the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And those high places is our government places, the government buildings, the people that we elected into office. Black Lives Matter want to defund the police, but when you take the cops out of the inner city, more black-on-black -black crime occurs. Black Lives Matter, but they want to fund abortion clinics where abortion clinics are closer into black communities way more than any other communities. Killing and killing and killing the black community. But Black Lives Matter is for black people? I say not. If they cared about black lives, they would care. Hallelujah. 
My God. Is everything good, Sister Sloss? Hallelujah. Woo! If Black Lives Matter really cared about black people, they would care about the illiteracy rate of our black individuals. They will take their money and start building better schools and better things for our black people. But instead, they're going to say that math is racist. But instead, they want to say being on time is racist. But instead, they want to say... What I'm trying to say is that ideology does not belong in the church. I'm telling somebody that the ideology does not belong in the church. Hallelujah. Now, while these churches are trying to blend into the world, my Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concern hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The problem with Noah's day was there became a point in time where there wasn't separation between the people of God and the people of the world. With Noah's account, we only see a glimpse right before God comes and destroys man off the face of the earth. We only get a tiny glimpse of what's going on there. So I thought it'd be awesome for us to get a different glimpse if we were to look at God's people being treated in Egypt. You may be seated. We all understand that history repeats itself. So I find it important to see how the world was treating God's children. This will help us to understand the tactics and the goal of the enemy today. We already understand that the enemy's end goal is to have us, to have our thoughts to be only evil continually. He wants us only to thinking about just perverted things. He wants us angry. He wants us to be divisive, hating one another. He only wants our thoughts to be only evil continually. Distract, he also wants to distract us from the time that we're in. He wants to distract us to see the signs. He wants us to be worried about getting married and giving into marriage and living our best life. But the enemy wants to control our lives. In Exodus 1, verse 9 through 11, it says, And he said unto this people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when they falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasured cities, Pidom and, and Ramses. He, he wants to control our lives. 
He wants to set afflictions upon us, upon the people of God. 15 days to flatten the curve. I said 15 days to flatten the curve. No church for 15 days. It's only for 15 days, First Lady. No church because you know what? We need to flatten the curve. They didn't say anything about the casinos. They didn't say anything about anything else. But bless God, you come to church, that's a COVID factory. Don't live the life that you are living right now so that maybe you can live it later. You know, don't visit your grandparents because if you don't visit them this year, bless God, you can see them next year. But my Bible tells us that we are not promised tomorrow. My Bible says that our life is but a vapor. And they're telling us, you know what, lock in, get depressed, get on drugs, be suicidal. We just need to flatten the curve. Make sure you don't go to church because like I said before, COVID is a breeding center in churches. Notice, notice, I'm, t I'm so serious. Notice they, they decided what things are essential and non-essential and the experts say. And who are those experts? Anybody ever trip out on who the experts are? Like, seriously, like who are these experts? Because I want to meet some of them. But bless God, don't you dare go on outreach. Don't you dare knock on doors right now when people are in fear, when people are losing their jobs, when people are losing their livelihood. Don't give them hope. Don't tell them that there's a Messiah. Don't tell them that Jesus is there for them. Don't remind them of the end times. Don't tell them that God is coming back. Don't preach them the gospel. Don't tell them what needs to be done so that they can make it to heaven. I'm talking about vaccine passports that are as flirting around the world and flirting, it, flirting to get its way into America. I'm talking about certain colleges in America right now. They're not allowing students or staff to come unless they are vaccinated. And if you take, if you take the, and let me stop for a second. If you're vaccinated, bless God, go ahead and be vaccinated. You chose your right to be vaccinated, that's fine. But I'm choosing my right to not get vaccinated, so don't talk to me about it. I mean, it's crazy. The church goes and knocks on doors all the time to try to bring people to heaven. But now the government is sending people to knock on doors to see if people can get vaccinated. There's something wrong with that. But these churches... I mean, these colleges, they're making it so that let's say that you have an exempt for religious reasons or for health reasons. They're making sure that you have to take two tests a week out of your own pocket pressuring you to just go ahead and get vaccinated. He want, the government, the enemy, the enemy wants to control us. Stay woke. June 2nd, people getting fired from their jobs because they did not post a black square on their social media page. <laughs> Stay woke. Pride Month, nearly every corporation bowing its knees down to the godless lifestyle of lasciviousness. The enemy wants to control us. Not only do they want to control us, they want us to rely on the enemy. Remember when the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness and, all, and they had nothing to eat? And they said unto God, man, man, we should have just died in Egypt. If you wanted to kill us, you should have killed us in Egypt. Because back in Egypt, we had food. We had everything that we could ever suffice us. We had water. We had food. We had everything that could, suffice, that, that could make our flesh feel good. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 2. 
we see it says, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full? For ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We have the, the, we have the enemy wanting to have people to rely on the government. I'm talking about child tax credits. I'm talking about the stimulus checks. I'm talking about people that didn't have to go to work anymore and they got paid more money to stay at home than they did to go work. He's conditioning us. He's conditioning us. But I'm telling you, this world is not my home. I'm saying the way that they want us to live, that's not the way that I want to live. I want to live for God. I want to trust in God. I want to rely on God. But the enemy also wants our children. Take a look at what Pharaoh asked him. He said, Who, who's going? Who's going to go worship God? And the man of God said, it's me and my children and my young and my old and our wives and our flock and everything. We're taking everything with us and we are leaving the world and we're going to worship our God. But, the, but Pharaoh said, no, no, no. <laughs> Don't take your children. Give them to me. You go, parents. You go and you have church. Just give your kids to me. <sighs> man. You know, if, can we cue that audio real quick? But mom and dad, the enemy wants your children. And they are open about it. It's, it's not a conspiracy. This is a conspiracy theory going on. This is a speculation. This is real. And you ought to wake up and realize what's going on. Go ahead and play this audio. As we celebrate pride on the progress we've made over these past years, there's still work to be done. So to those of you out there who are still working against equal rights, we have a message for you. You think we're sinful. You fight against our rights. You say we all lead lives you can't respect. But you're just frightened. You think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. Go ahead and cut it. You can keep them from. Did you guys hear this? This is from the San Francisco Gay Choir, whatever it's called, and it says, You think we are sinful. You fight against our rights. You say we all lead, lead, lead a life you can't respect, but you're just frightened. You think that we will corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. He says we will convert your children. It happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly, and you will barely notice it. They are pushing their agenda in our schools. They are pushing these things in our schools, and we're just letting it happen bit by bit, allowing our children. 
I'm saying these schools, they're having drag queens read to your children in full uniform. They're supplying condoms to our children as young as seven years old. Look it up. I'm telling you the truth. But you as a parent, you don't think twice when your child says, Mom, Dad, I don't want to go to public school. You tell them, get up. You are going to school. You are going to school. But as soon as it comes to Sunday and your child says, you know what, Mom, Dad, I don't want to go to Sunday school. And when we are begging for your children to come to Sunday school, and I'm asking, please, bring them to Sunday school. And you say, you know what? He doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go. It's sad. It's a sad day when you will send your kids to public school, but you won't send your babies to Sunday school. You will let them, random people that you don't even know, have a relationship and mold your kids and mold your babies. But when it comes to the people of God who have an interest in your child and when their soul is headed, you won't send them. I'm telling you, it's happening younger and younger. The average age of children going to public school is five years old, but that's about to change quickly. The things that they're offering us is a pre-pre-K, where children as young as three years old are going to be in the hands of the government. We will convert your children. It happens bit by bit. Three years old is the age. And nine, three years old is the average age where it will begin. And the age of 19 and 20 is when our children will get out of their grasps. Because they're also going to offer two years after high school. According to Science Daily, on average, the earliest memories that people can recall or point back to is when they were just two and a half years old. The average memory for children begins at the age of three. No wonder the government is pushing to start two years earlier for school. Four free more years of school. Extending the time of 13 years in their hands to 17 years. They want us at a young age. They want your children at a young age. And I'm pleading to someone in this house this morning, please, don't just allow your kids to go to that place. I know we might not have money to take our kids to private school. I know you say we might not have money to take our kids and homeschool them. But I wish that someone would know what is happening in these public schools. I got a question for, for the adults in this, in this house this morning. And I'm not being mean to this, uh, this church. But we all know about the Roman Catholic Church, correct? Would we send our kids to their schools, Pastor Spalaza? Not even talking about, not even talking about what they believe concerning Scripture. Let's not, let's not even worry about that. But knowing about the history of the Roman Catholic Church, would you send your kids there? No? No? Any yeses in the building? You know, you know why most of us wouldn't? Because of the things that they're notoriously known to do. Let me read something out of uh, a 2004 research study by John Jay College of Criminal Justice. It says that 
the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, 4,392 Catholic priests and deacons in active ministry between the years of 1950 and 2002 have been plausibly neither withdrawn nor disproven, accused of underage sexual abuse by 10,667 individuals. <laughs> What's sad is, that's not even a lot. Let me read this to you. This is sexual abuse by teachers is on the rise. Lately, it seems like it has become common to see news stories involving the arrest of teachers who are being charged with sexual abuse and misconduct involving their students, some of whom are as young as 11 years old. Schools are expected to be a safe environment for children, but these arrests make people realize kids aren't as safe as we like them to be when we send them off to school. Stop, stop, um, stop uh, sesame um, it's an abbreviation to stop um, educators' sexual abuse, misconduct, and exploitation is an organization that describes itself as a national voice for preventing of abuse by educators and other school employees. It has compiled alarming statistics on the incidences of sexual abuse in schools nationwide, reporting that just under 500 educators were arrested in 2015 alone. Of children in the 8th through 11th grade, about 3.5 million students, do you guys hear me? 3.5 million students, 7% of the population that go to school, sur surveyed reported having had physical sexual contact from an adult, most often a teacher or a coach. The type of physical contact range from unwanted touching of their body all the way to sexual intercourse. 3.5 million children in our public schools. The statistic is increasing to about 4.5 million children when it takes other types of sexual misconduct into consideration, such as being shown pornography or being subjected to sexual explicit language or other types of things that it shouldn't be shown to children. Very often, other teachers, though they thought that something was going on, but they were afraid to report it because they didn't want to ruin a person's life. Although that's exactly what they're doing to the child when they don't speak up, allowing the abuse to continue. I'm telling somebody right now, we need to get ready and we need to go home. We need to get our kids out of these environments. We need to make sure that we are going out of our way. I'm telling someone, if you got to work a second job, not to pay off your 2020 car, not to pay off your nice house. If you got approved for a nice house and the bank said that you can afford a $300,000 house for the sake of your children, you should buy a $150,000 house. And you got to save that money and bring your kids into, into a, a school that is, that is not a public school, into an RCA, into a public school. And, It's only your children. I said it's only your children. It's our children. There's something that we have to do. You may say, well, last year they were just at home. And you know what? They weren't in school. They, they didn't do face-to-face. -face. I just treated somebody's house in my job. And it had to be time scheduled at a certain time. 
I couldn't be there after 1 p.m. Because this teenager is going to school and nobody is allowed to be in the house. She literally has to take her webcam and prove to the teacher that the parents are at home, that there's nobody else home. Tell me that it's not sketchy. I'm telling somebody, we, yeah, your kids are at home and I'm, t my God. I just want to thank God that God watches over us. Thank you, Jesus, for watching over us, for watching over our children. But God, give us a discernment and an understanding that we need to do everything that we can to keep our children safe. Amen. The enemy in Noah's time, I'm sorry, the, in Noah's time, Noah was given specific instructions on what needed to be, do needed to be done in order for his wife and his kids to be saved. We can stand in this house. God wasn't confusing with what needed to be done. He gave them a blueprint and what needed to be done. Back then he ended the world in water, but this time he will cleanse it with fire. He told Noah what he physically had to do. Build an ark, make it this high. Make it this wide. Pitch it on the inside and the outside. God was specific. But our God is the same God. He's the same God as that was there in Noah's time as he is here today. And he said in order for us to be saved, we need to first, we need to believe. But we need to take the next step, but we need to repent there's people in this house today, you, you've already repented, you've already been filled with the Holy Ghost, you've already, you, you've, you've already given your life to God, but your house is not in order. If it wasn't for Noah building the ark with his children, most theologians would speculate, maybe his kids wouldn't have made it. If it wasn't for him investing time into what God has gifted him. You see, your children, the people that you are responsible for is a gift given by God. And we must do what we can in order to protect them. Sister Tabitha, can you please come up front? I know you're in the media. But Sister Tabitha, please come here. I felt a stump when I said that, you know what, we need to take our kids and we need to make sure that they're not in these public schools. I can hear it from everybody. I can hear it. But I don't have enough money to take my kids and bring them to RCA. I don't have enough money to homeschool them. I don't have. God is our provider. Amen, church. Just have it there. Come here. This is a single mother of five. I'm going to say four, though, because, you know. Presto's uh, four and a half. Yeah, we'll do four and a half. But this is a single income household. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you felt in your heart that you had to take your kids out of public school. You felt in your heart, right? But how? But how? A single income household, four kids going to RCA, how can that happen? Come on, somebody. 
We got to stop relying on our own understanding. We need to stop relying on what God, on what the enemy is telling us. We need to stop relying on what my bank account says. But all these things are, are proven to me. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I don't want to lose my babies because I decided to, you know what, save some money by sending them to public school. I don't want to lose my babies because, you know what, I decided that their, their education wasn't that important. They can go ahead, let them take care of them. But God is calling all of us to be responsible with what he has given us with the job he's given us, with the children that he's given us, with the family that we are responsible for. God is calling us to be responsible for what he has gifted us. What I'm trying to say is, let your yeses be yes and let your noes be no. Before you say, God, I can't send my kids, I can't stay at home and be and teach them, before you say you can't, exhaust all measures before you can say no. Because with men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But in order for us to get ready and get up out of this world, we need to repent of our sins. Come on, so we need to repent of our sins. This takes a blink of an eye. This takes, you know what, God, I'm tired of living my life the way that I've been living it. I'm tired, God, of thinking that I need to do things my own way. Lord, I need to rely upon you, God. Lord, you are my staff. You are what I lean upon, God. I need you in my life, Jesus. I need you to provide for me. I need you to mold me. I need you to shape me. I need you, God. Repentance is you saying, you know what, God? You are the God of my life. You are the leader of my life. You are the one I'm going to give my life to. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in your word. I'm going to let go of all of these sins and all of these things that are so easily besetting me. And when you repent, God is calling you to wash your sins away, to be baptized in the matchless name. In the matchless name of Jesus. And when you get baptized in that name, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. This world, this world has nothing for us. And you come to these altars right now and ask God to speak to you concerning your situation. Speak to you concerning what you are doing. Speak to you and make sure, God, I just want to make sure, Lord, that my babies are okay, God. Oh, come on, someone. Come on, lift your hands to him right now. Where else can I go? There's no other name by which I am saved. Come on, somebody. This world is wicked. There's so many things going on right now. And I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to make sure that we're making our way to heaven. I don't care what I have to do. I don't care what sacrifices. 